night at the living room. Man, I love the living room. As um, Samer said, if you were here, or maybe you slipped in just afterwards, so uh, my name is Gavin. I'm the lead pastor at Woodstock City Church, and um, our thank you for one of you. Thanks. It's awesome. Um, uh, like my mom back there. Thanks, mom. So um, we, we really do love KSU. Uh, we love you guys. We love the living room. Um, gosh, it was probably two years ago we began dreaming about what it would be like uh, to do this. And um, we do a lot of things at our church, and we love the things that we get to do uh, on the property at the campus of Woodstock City Church. But, um, you know, most of the things that we do, we do on that property. And, um, and most of the things we do are funded by the people who are on that property. And so you may have noticed that we never ask for money. We haven't taken up offerings here because you're in college. It'd be a waste of our time. So we don't, we don't do that. And, um, but there are a lot of people who love you guys like crazy and um, and who work really hard to fund everything we get to do here and to support it and be a part of it. And so I just want you to know that there's a church uh, just, just 10 minutes north of here that really loves what's happening here and loves each of you individually and really cares a lot about you. They pray for you all the time. And, um, and we're just uh, so excited, so glad to be a part uh, of what's happening here at KSU. And you're a huge part of what's happening on this campus. Um, what, what you guys have created is a campus kind of ministry, if we could use that word. It's really significant. Um, I, I went to Berry College. That's where I went to college just a couple of years ago. And um, a little more than that, but I won't tell you how long. So uh, I went to Berry College, and um, I, I went off to college as a Christian. I grew up in the church. I've been a Christian for a long time. And, and when I got to Berry, there was a part of me that kind of thought that I should connect with a local church and try to be connected to some sort of Christian something, you know, gathering of sorts or whatever. And um, and so kind of where I lived at Barry, um, I lived back in the mountain campus. I was a part of this wind-shaped scholarship program thing that none of you care about, and so I want to tell you the details. But um, we kind of did some things on a Monday night. We had like a Monday night meeting, and they'd always bring like a terrible speaker in, and we'd pray a little bit. But the goal was to leave as fast as possible to get to the basketball court, okay? So I, I got something out of that, not a lot out of that. And so there was a part of me that felt like I needed some more, like I needed a different kind of community, some Christian community. I needed to connect with other believers. I needed to kind of maybe experience church again and, and be a part of that. And so um, there was a couple of times that I actually went and visited a church. It was awful. Like, it, it was so bad. I mean, it was almost like an endurance race to make it through the hour. I mean, it was It was awful. Um, I went to a few on-campus ministry things, and, and they, were, they were just as bad. And the thing that I remember the most is I, I remember in college walking into these different kind of organization things or walking into different churches, feeling completely judged the whole time. And, and feeling like people were kind of trying to size me up. To, you know, what did you do yesterday? What did you do last night? What did you do last spring break? Or do you really belong here? Are you really welcomed here? And, and I remember thinking, I was friends with all these kind of heathens, right, on the Berry College campus, but, but I was a really good guy, actually. Like, I, I, you know, I didn't drink or smoke or hang out with people, you know, or drink or smoke or chew or whatever, or hang out with people who do. I, I didn't do any of those bad things. Like, I was actually a really good guy, you know. I mean, I was kind of guy that, you know, your mom would want you to bring home, you know, because, because nobody knew what I was thinking. They just knew what I was doing, and, and, and the things I wasn't doing were the good things, and so... I remember being so frustrated that, that people lumped me in with different crowds and, and judged me differently. And then I realized that that's something that, that I kind of did. And I realized it's something that all Christians kind of do. And so really since that time in college, that has always bothered me. And, and, and so when I got to come up and, and, and become the lead pastor at Woodstock City Church, and, and when we you know, decided to plant the living room here and kind of launch this thing with Sam, or, that was one of our big kind of hearts that we had is that, we wanted to make this a place where you felt like it was home, 
Like, like you were welcomed home here. You know, and none of you kind of were born and raised on the KSU campus probably, right? But, but you've all migrated here for some reason. And, it, and, and it's so difficult for college, that's the reason. So it, 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 it's so easy to not feel like you have a, a home, a place where you can belong and, and just be you. And we want this to be that. And we want our church to be that as well. Um, so, so a few weeks ago, we talked about this idea at Woodstock City, and Samar asked me to come talk about it tonight because I think it speaks to kind of who we are as a church, but I, I think it speaks to exactly what we want this to be as well because they're both really extensions uh, of each other. Um, the reason that we struggle so much to figure this thing out, it really kind of goes back to a life principle that we began learning as early as like one year old. And you don't remember being one, but you were being taught it already. It's part of what makes the terrible twos so terrible. If you've ever babysat before and you've dealt with two-year-olds, you're like, why are they like Satan in two-year-old bodies? This is why, okay? It's this principle that's really at play. And the principle is just simply this, that when you behave, you can belong. Like, that's the principle. Now, now think about, just for a few minutes, think about how that principle has played out in your life and in the lives around you. I mean, you ever seen like a two-year-old at the dinner table and he throws his plate on the floor and the mom picks it up. She's like, hey, we don't do that. And he goes, oh, okay. And he does it again. Like, no, seriously, we don't do that, you know. Like the sixth time he gets removed from the table and put in time out. You know why? Because if you don't behave, you can't belong. If you can't, if you can't behave, you can't belong. I remember bumping into this for the first time, like that I remember at least. I was in first grade. Um, man, I love sports, right? And so I grew up playing all sorts of sports. I played basketball uh, when I was in first grade. It was my very first kind of recreational sports experience on a basketball court. So I remember in first grade, I was so excited. I got my uniform. I slept in it the night before the game. Like I was stoked, right? Anybody done that before? Like you got your uniform? Yeah, that's just me. My bad. You and I. That's awesome. You must be really cool. So I... um. So, so I slept in my uniform. I was like so excited. I remember the, the, that, that Saturday we went to the basketball court, warming up, really excited, you know. Uh, I remember the very, uh, not the first play, it was very early in the game. I had the ball, and I was dribbling it kind of to, to the, in the paint, like taking it to the hole as a six-year-old, right? So it wasn't that awesome yet. So I'm driving into the paint, and all of a sudden, man, like four guys blocked my shot at once. And I'm like, man, what the heck, man? That's not cool, you know? And and then, like, the next time I had the ball, it happened again. And then the next time I had the ball, it happened again. And then I was watching all these people get rebounds all over the place, and I couldn't get any rebounds. Like, I couldn't figure it out. Like, why can't I get any rebounds? And so after the game, my mom and dad, they took a picture of me and my two best friends who happened to be on the other team, the Knicks. I was on the Pacers. And so I remember, you know, later in life, I opened up, like, a book, a scrapbook my mom had made with all these pictures of me as a kid. And I came across that picture, and I was like, well, no wonder, because I was, like, this tall. And everybody else was this tall, you know? And I realized very quickly, if you're this tall, you're not tall enough to ride this ride. You can't play basketball, right? Like, I learned that early on. I didn't have what it took to behave correctly to play basketball. L later in elementary school, I, um, <laughs> I went to a private Christian school. And I was really kind of popular at the private Christian school, but... It was a private Christian school, so you don't have to work very hard to be popular, you know? It's like, it's not really an accomplishment. And so, so in fourth grade, I had an awful teacher. She was awful. And like, like awful, I mean, she was a terrible person, okay? She was terrible. And so my parents hated her too. And so they pulled me out of the private Christian school, and they put me in the public school in fourth grade. And I was kind of excited, because I'm like, hey, I was really popular at this other school. I'm going to go to this new school. It's a bigger school. I'm going to be even bigger popular, more popular. And so I walked into fourth grade just after Christmas break, that January, you know, go back to school day. I walked in, and I quickly kind of ascertained who the cool kids were in the class, and they weren't me. 
Because the cool kids were all dressed cool in their cool jeans. And I was still wearing these things that we called Buster Browns back in the day. And they were awful. They, they sounded as good as they, you know, they looked as good as they sounded. So I walked in with my Buster Browns, and they were all wearing the super cool jeans. They were called Sergio Valente back in the day. You don't know about that. So think of like really cool joggers, okay? So I walk in. They're wearing cool clothes. I'm not. I remember going home going, Mom, this sucks. Like, I can't. I didn't say that to my mom. I was in fourth grade. But I was like, Mom, this isn't going to work. i got to get cool jeans, you know? And so a few weeks later, I convinced her. I walked in with these uh, Sergio Valente jeans. They were gray on the front, and they were black on the back, and they were all sorts of awesome, okay? So, so I walked in those jeans. Guess what happened? The cool kids were like, hey, come over here and hang out with us. It wasn't that easy, but that's kind of what happened because... <laughs> But that's basically what happened, because you know why? I behaved differently, so I got to belong. You remember going to that first middle school dance? That was fun, wasn't it? Like, there was nothing in middle school that was fun, but that was the worst. Do you remember? You were so excited to get to the middle school dance, and like, you have never been more excited for your mom to pick you up, ever. I mean, if you didn't have a girlfriend or a boyfriend and you showed up at that dance, it was awful. You know, and then you tried to dance because you didn't know you couldn't yet. And you didn't behave. You didn't feel like you could belong, right? I mean, it goes on and on. It goes through high school. I mean, everywhere you go, this kind of continues to play out. And now you're in college. And you thought at some point you would grow out of this. Like that was a middle school thing. It was a high school thing. I mean, high school kids are stupid. Now you're in college. You're like an adult. This is going to go away. But it doesn't go away, does it? I mean, if you have ever been a part of the Greek system in college, some of you are right now. You remember going through Rush? I mean, Rush is the gauntlet of behave to belong. I mean, it is like if you do everything right, you, we might like you and let you in. If you don't do everything right, massive rejection, you know, behave to belong. And then once you get in, you know, there's behaviors that have to go along with what you do. I'm sure you've noticed this. Like every sorority across the world behaves a very specific way to belong every time somebody pulls a camera out. Have you noticed this? They, they all look like this. Every single picture you see, just like that. And I'm like, like, nobody taught you that, but you realized if you don't do this, you get kicked out. Like, you have to do this. Now, on the other side, the guys have learned the same thing in reverse, right? Because look at this picture. You see these guys? <laughs> these are the guys who are never going to meet the girls you just saw. That's who these guys are. Right? These guys don't know that if you behave this way, there's places you can't belong, like with girls. Okay? They know that. They know that. You know why? Because it's the same principle. When you behave, you can belong. Now, let me just quickly fast forward in your life for a minute. You're going to think that you're going to grow out of this. And you're going to think at some point this isn't going to be your life anymore. But let me just kind of forewarn you, okay? It never goes away. It never goes away. Okay, last year, I'm 40, last, 41, last year, I was 40, I was 40 last year, last year, last year I decided that I wanted to start going to the gym, because me and some dudes had a bet, we go to the beach every year with our families, and we had this stupid bet going that whoever showed up at the beach and had at least one ab won the contest, and so I had six months to establish one ab, and so January the 2nd, like we made the bet on the 1st, January the 2nd, I started going to the gym I'm like, I'm going to win that contest because I'm super competitive. So I'll go to the gym January the 2nd. I'll walk in, and I didn't really belong. 
I didn't know how to behave. I, I didn't know how to fill out like the registration thing. I didn't know how to use all the weights. I, I didn't know how to do anything, you know. And then, and that was just in the cardio room. I mean, I peeked around the corner to the other room where the free weights were, and there were like all these dudes in tank tops, and it was January. And I'm like, it's January, and you're wearing tank tops, you know. And, and I'm like wearing as min- much clothes as I can to cover my lack of ab. And so, like, I'm doing my best. And you know what I did? I just got back in my car and went home because I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. So I called a friend. I got an app. I figured out how to do some stuff. I got back to the gym a couple days later, and it was really difficult because I didn't know how to behave. I didn't know how to behave. Now, listen, here's the crazy thing. It's a year later, a year later, okay, aside from, you know, like Thanksgiving and Christmas where you're supposed to not go work out and eat a lot, aside from those couple of months, I kind of stayed at the gym a lot. You know, in fact, I was telling my wife a minute ago, I was like, I wish I could go to the gym twice a day. Like, I, I really love being in the gym. You know why? Because now I know how to behave in there. N- now when I walk in, the people who work at the registration desk go, hey, Gavin, what's up? I'm like, hey, how's it going, you know? How's your tank top? Mine's awesome. Like, that's, <laughs> that's the kind of conversations we have, you know? I'm like, I'm walking over there, and there's guys are squatting. I'm like, oh, what you squatting, like 225? Yeah, you know, it's like, it's like we know how to behave. Like, we know how to lift, we know how to use the equipment, like, we don't sit backwards on it. I mean, it's like, like, we know what we're doing, and you feel like you fit in, because you feel like you behave, and then you get to belong. The principle never goes away. I mean, there are so many adults, and you know of some of these, who have made the worst decisions in their life, just trying to fit in. People who have just made the most immoral, unethical decisions, because they felt like if they didn't behave, they they weren't going to be able to belong. Now... The reason it's really never going to go away, and the reason it's going to stay with you literally every day of your life, isn't because we're never really fully going to grow out of being middle schoolers. I mean, that's not the reason. The reason is because God actually put that desire in your heart. And, and, and we don't know that kind of by default. But the reason that you have this desire to belong and you think you need to behave to do that, God actually put that desire to belong in your heart. It's part of the DNA in him, uh, of him in you. It's kind of like his thumbprint on your heart. And the reason he put it there, the reason he put it there is because he wants you to feel like you can belong to him. He he wants you to feel like you can kind of always be a part of his family, that you can always live as a child of God. He put that in your heart to draw you towards him. But but the problem is we don't really know that. We don't get that straight. And so we fall into this kind of behave to belong kind of deal. But if God really put it there, I mean, if he put it there, if he's the one who's responsible for it, wouldn't you think, I mean, just go with me for a minute. If he put it there, wouldn't you think that the one place in the world that you could belong, no matter how you behave, was a place that he was really responsible for? Maybe like the local church. Like, like, wouldn't you think, like, if the local church is supposed to represent God, the local church, or maybe an environment just like this, the living room, wouldn't you think that a place like this would be like the most welcoming place on the planet? Like no matter what your behavior was, no matter what you did yesterday, no matter what you did this morning, no matter what you did last spring break, like it really wouldn't matter. You could still belong here because it's God who put that desire in your heart in the first place. Like wouldn't you think that's how we would behave? But, but here's what I experienced my whole life growing up in the church. If you grew up in the church, this is probably what you've experienced at some point. If you're not really a church person, you're not even really like a Jesus person, but you're kind of here hanging out, you know, Mitchell's kind of good looking, you're like, I'm going to go listen to him sing. I mean, like, whatever it was. Like, 
Like whatever made you come here tonight, like whatever it was, there's something in you that also believes that your behavior is going to dictate whether you belong here or not. In fact, we'd say this, like as Christians, when you behave like a Christian, that's how we feel like we can belong with other Christians. Whether it's in a small group or a church kind of ministry or a campus ministry or just a local church. That if you're a Christian, if you behave like you're supposed to, if you behave like a Christian is supposed to behave, then you can belong and be with other Christians. Do you know how dangerous that is? I mean, that belief is so dangerous. That belief describes exactly why so many of you have walked away from churches before. That actually describes why a lot of you don't go to local churches right now because you don't behave very well. I mean, you're in college. I mean, nobody blames you for that, but it's also the reality. Like, like when you think about your life, and, and some of you are gooder than others, but none of you are really that good. I mean, none of you are perfect. And I don't even know you, and I know you're not, because none of us are. And so when we think about kind of our life and our behavior and all the things that we do, we begin to think, well, I can't, I can't be a part of Christian stuff because I don't really act very Christian. This is why we struggle to invite friends to things like the living room or to church, because we know what they did yesterday and this morning and last spring break and every spring break, and, and we think there's no way they can belong because they don't even act close. I mean, at least I'm a little bit better, but they're horrible people. There's no way they belong. But, but should they? See, that's the real question. Like, has the church got it wrong, or, or, or have we kind of got it right? Like, 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 has the church got it wrong, or have we just not been doing it the right way the whole time? When, when you begin to read the book of Acts, this gets really clear. In the book of Acts, it really picks up after Jesus dies and he kind of goes back to heaven and then Luke writes about, kind of chronicles all the things that happened, all the things that happened in the first century church and, 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 and as this whole new belief faith system is getting started. And so as he's writing about it, when you come and, and you bump into Acts chapter 15, this amazing thing happens. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you part of the story and just read a couple of verses and kind of show it to you, but it's just fascinating and it answers directly to this tension. What's kind of happening at the beginning of Acts 15 is a guy named Paul. Some of you have heard of Paul. He's kind of the Apostle Paul. He's a church planner extraordinaire. He and this guy named Barnabas, they're traveling all around the Mediterranean rim world, planting these churches. He's in a city called Antioch where there were several Christian churches and these things kind of bubbling up, beginning to start. And they were teaching some things about grace and faith and Jesus and all that. And then some other people came in and began to teach something different. And what they basically were teaching was that. That if you behave better, you can belong at the church. If you behave more like good Jewish people or good Christian people, you can be in the temple, you can be a part of the church. But Paul didn't like that, but the other guys thought it was true. Well, of course, the church doesn't know what to do. I mean, this is a brand new belief system. So the church is really confused. So the church kind of eventually looks at Paul and, and, and Barnabas, and he said, they, they say, listen, we don't really know what to do, but you guys are friends with the kind of senior leaders of the church movement who all are in Jerusalem, like the disciples, the people who did, you know, life with Jesus for three years. I mean, you know those guys, Paul. Would you mind going back to Jerusalem and ask them this question? Like, what do we have to do to belong here? Like, what are the rules for engagement? What are the rules for belonging? So, of course, Paul goes, well, yeah, you got it. I mean, I think I know the answer, but I'm going to go to Jerusalem and find out. Now, here was the really interesting thing. The reason this became a problem is because all these Gentiles were becoming Christians. Gentile was anybody who wasn't Jewish. And you better believe the Gentile people didn't act like the Jewish people. I mean, the Jewish people were really concerned with behaving well. Because they had been taught their entire life that how you behave 
dictates how God feels about you. But all these Gentiles are becoming Jesus followers, and they don't give a crap about that. I mean, they are living immoral lives, and they're trying to be better, but they're not getting it right all the time. And so it's causing some big problems. So what do you do with the Gentiles? What do you do with all this stuff? So Paul and this guy, his buddy, they start traveling up to Jerusalem. Along the way, they stop at all these other cities where all these other churches are. And guess what every church is struggling to figure out? (laughs) Bingo, the same thing. They're trying to figure out, what do we do with the Gentiles and the Jewish people? And what does it look like to belong here? Do we have to behave a certain way? Is, Is God okay with this when we get it wrong? Like, what do we do? So they get all the way to Jerusalem. They have a big meeting. It's like a big church business meeting. It's the very first one that we know about. And so this big church business meeting happens, and they're all kind of gathered around, and Paul starts telling his stories, and then Peter shares some things, and like everybody's listening. Well, in the middle of the story sharing time, this group of people stands up, and they are really irritated. I mean, they are ticked off. And that's where we're going to kind of pick up the story. Okay, this begins in verse 5 of Acts chapter 15. Here's what it says. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. Now, let me just pause for a minute. Like, can you imagine this conversation? Like, imagine you're a Gentile person in Jerusalem. You're like a brand new Christian. You're like, yeah, we love Jesus. You, I hear you're having a church business meeting. Oh, we should go. You know, and you gather your family and you kind of sneak in the back of the room and you're all hanging out. And then this happens. And they're like, we, we have to have a surgery to like be a part of this? And like all the dads are going like, nah, I'm good. Like, <laughs> you guys go ahead and be Christians, you know, but I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hang out over here, you know. I'm not having a surgery to be a part of this thing. But it really is the ultimate behave to belong thing, isn't it? Now, I don't know how much you know about this Pharisee group, but let me tell you, this actually made a lot of sense to these guys. I mean, it sounds crazy to us today. Like, like we would never at the living room say, you know, hey, welcome to the living room. We're so glad you guys are here. You know, if this is your first time, if, if you want to come back next week, we would love to perform a surgery on you first, and you're welcome. I mean, we would never do that. I mean, it's ridiculous, you know. But this didn't seem so ridiculous in the first century. In fact, it wasn't ridiculous at all. The Pharisees were like the rule followers of all rule followers. I mean, the Pharisees, their only job in life was to wake up every day study the ancient scriptures of the Old Testament, and make sure everybody followed every single rule possible. That's all they did. And they loved catching people who weren't following the rules. So the Pharisees were like the rule keepers of all rule keepers. And they believed 100% that if you don't behave correctly, you aren't going to belong with God. That's what they believed. And so as they're listening to these stories That's what's running through their mind. In fact, their argument was just simply this. This is kind of what they were arguing, that that you can be a Christian when you decide to behave Jewish. And being circumcised was part of being Jewish. So they were like, hey, if you want to behave like us Jewish people, if you want to behave like the rest of us good Jewish people, then then you can be a Christian. (laughs) Well, Paul and Barnabas, they didn't like that. In fact, that's exactly the argument that they had bumped into in Antioch. So Paul and Barnabas start kind of arguing back at the business meeting. And they're like, no, 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 listen. I know you think that you have to do this, but here's the reality. We have watched so many people come to faith and put their their faith in Christ and receive the Holy Spirit, and they ain't had any surgeries. And God seems to love them. And God seems to be okay with them. They seem to have a right standing with God, even though they're not being really good Jewish people. Well, that was a difficult thing to figure out. Because you got two really good arguments, both with a lot of foundation behind them. 
So do you have to behave to belong? That ultimately was the big question. Now, just quick pause in this story because it's so interesting how relevant the Bible is. That's the exact same issue that we bump into in the local church today. In fact, it's the exact same reason that so many people who consider coming to the living room never really fully show up. Because they think they have to behave to belong. My guess is all of you have felt like that at some point. It's so relevant. And, and maybe it was not, you know, do I have to have a surgery to come to the living room? There was some sort of like, you have to fill in the blank if you want to be here. Like, like you have to do something if you want to belong. You know, in the local church, this may be something kind of silly. Like, you know, you showed up in shorts and flip-flops and everybody else was wearing suits. And you were like, oh, I don't feel like I belong here. I'm not behaving correctly. Or maybe you wore Sergio Valente jeans. I don't know. Okay, but like, like you showed up. And you didn't behave correctly so you couldn't belong. Or maybe it was more significant, you know, like, like maybe you walked in and like everybody knew when to kneel and stand and pray and sing and chant. And there's all these things going on. And you were like, man, I don't know what's going on. Like, like everybody on cue knows when to kneel down and I feel like a moron. I don't know what I'm doing, you know. And, and you didn't feel like you could go back because you didn't know how to behave. But those are easy because you can dress differently. You can learn the chant. You can learn the song. I mean, you can figure all that stuff out. The problem is that some of these are much, more, much, much, much more difficult. Things like this, like, like when you stop asking so many questions, you can belong. Like, like if you would just stop asking all the questions about faith, if you would stop asking all these questions about dinosaurs and Genesis and creation, if you would stop, you know, listening to every college literature teacher who tells you the Bible's a myth, like, don't, you can't believe that at all. Like, you have to, you, you just got to stop asking all these kind of questions. If you do that, maybe then you can belong. That's a behavior thing. Or, or maybe like um, when you understand the Bible, you can belong, like the whole thing. Like when you understand the Bible, you can belong. Or, or maybe when you believe, here's the big one, oh my gosh, when you believe exactly the way that we believe, then you can belong. Like no questions, but you have to believe what we believe. Why? Because we said so. Believe it. Like when you believe everything we do, then, then you can belong. You know what those are? Those are just different ways of saying the same thing, that when you behave, you can belong. When you begin to look like us, think like us, act like us, do everything that we tell you to do, when you begin to be that way, then you can be a part of us. You see, in the middle of that business meeting, that was what was at stake. So there was this guy named James who was there. James is kind of the godfather of the, the first century church. I mean, James was a big deal in the church. He's kind of the leader of the whole thing. So after James has been listening to this whole dialogue, he kind of pauses in the middle of it and he stands up and he begins to address the crowd. And when James spoke, everybody stopped and everybody listened. And, and, and here's what James said. He said, it is my judgment, therefore, let's pause for a minute. It is my judgment, therefore, and it's hard to really appreciate what hung in the balance of this moment. I mean, everything we know about the church today hung in the balance of this moment. Like everything that we know about God in a way hung in the balance of this moment. And see, here's what James knew. See, see, James knew that Jesus had removed the barrier to belonging on the cross. He knew that. James knew that the local church should be the safest place for people to ask questions. He knew that the local church should be the safest place in the world for hurting people to find healing, for broken people to be mended, for people struggling to find hope and to find peace. He knew that. And James also knew that was Jesus' heart for the church. And the reason that James knew 
so much about how Jesus felt about the church is because for James's entire life, he grew up watching Jesus because, because Jesus was his brother. Like James watched his brother, Jesus, heal people who didn't deserve it. James watched Jesus love people who were unlovable. He watched him heal lepers who were untouchable. He watched him embrace people who had never been embraced. James watched his brother hang out with prostitutes and sinners and tax collectors. And, and instead of engaging in like buddy-buddy conversations with the Pharisees and the religious elite, or so they thought they were, he hung out with all the people who needed him the most. See, James knew all that. And he knew that this decision had to represent the heart of Jesus for the local church. Maybe even more than that, he knew that it had to represent Jesus' heart for you and, and for me individually. So with all of that in mind, James stands up. And here's what he says. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Here, here, here's my kind of summary idea. We, we just can't make it difficult for anyone who wants to give God a try. We can't do that. And in the first century, this was very prescriptive of how the church needed to function. But here in the 21st century, we believe it is descriptive of how our local churches should look and how ministries on campuses like this should look. That it just shouldn't be difficult for people who are turning to God. That you don't fully have to behave to have a right standing with God. You don't have to behave to experience hope and community. You don't have to behave a certain way to fit in or to belong. I, I made a list of people who I think belong here and, and belong at places like Woodstock City Church. I'm just going to read a few of them to you. They, they may actually describe kind of where you're at. Um, if you're seeking something more for your life, you belong in a place like this. If you just don't have life all figured out yet, you're in good company because none of us do, me included. You, you belong in a place like this. If, if you've ever been hurt by other churches or by other Christians, you belong at a place like this. If you've ever felt excluded, and think about this, because of what you think or a lifestyle or anything like that, if you have ever felt excluded from other churches or by other Christians, you belong in the living room and at Woodstock City Church. If you don't trust organized religion, <laughs> there's really good news there because we don't either, you belong at a place like this. If you're sitting on questions or, or maybe you just feel skeptical, you belong in a place like this too. If you know all the stories in the Bible and you're still not totally convinced, you belong here. If you struggle to take the Bible literally or, or if you take it completely literally, that's okay too. You belong in a place just like this. If you're feeling confused, by who God says he is and what you see in your life and in the world, you belong in a place like this. If you just need to find rest 
rest and, and, and respite. It, if you just need to find a place to call home, if you just need to find a place where you can belong and be loved, no matter what, you belong in a place just like this. One more. If you don't feel good enough, the good news is that God's grace is way bigger than the badness in your life will ever be. If you don't feel good enough, you belong in a place just like this. And I know it would be easy for me to say that, but the reason I can say that with such full confidence is because that describes everybody. And, and in fact, if I'm honest, it describes me. That there are times that I'm a lead pastor of a local church, and there are times where I feel confused. There are times that I see God talk about how he is love, and I watch things happen in the world, and it makes me wonder. I mean, there are times that I come across things that make me just feel a little skeptical. There are times that I ask really hard questions about faith. And I think that's okay, because we don't have to behave to belong at a place like that. Now, if you didn't know that that was okay, if you didn't know it was okay to, to behave poorly and still be accepted, we understand that because that's what the world's taught you. And I know that me sitting up here today and just telling you that you belong here, I mean, that sounds nice on the surface, but my, my guess is that some of you are thinking, yeah, <laughs> if you knew what happened last week, you, you know, if you knew what happened last night, like all night, it, you know, if, if you knew, if you knew, if you knew, here's the good news. Here's the good news. God already does know. And he loves you anyway. And what we have decided to do as a church is just love the people who God chooses to love. So if God doesn't love you, then I guess you're out. The good news is that he loves every one of us, which means that we all belong. The only way you're really going to figure that out is to try it, which is maybe a little hard. But the best way to try it is just to come back next week. In fact, I would encourage you to come to Woodstock City Church one day and just see what it looks like to maybe find a local church home with a group of people who really care for you and really love you, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, and no matter what your past has looked like. Because if God is for you, we are too. You see, at a place like the living room and a place like our church, when it comes to being with us, when it comes to being with us, you don't have to behave. You don't have to behave. Even if you misbehave, you can belong. And we think that's a pretty important thing. I'd love to pray for you guys, and um, then I think we'll be out of here. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving us in a way that allows us to experience a relationship with you no matter how bad our behavior gets. But God, the reason that you want us to behave isn't because it changes how you love us. It's because it leads to the best life. And that's what you want. You want the best for us. And the best thing that we can ever have is a relationship with you followed by a relationship with other people who love us exactly for who we are and love us exactly where we are. So God, thank you for being that kind of God. Thank you for sending your son to die for us when we didn't deserve it. And thank you that we can have a right standing with you even when we don't get it right. We love you so much. Thank you for these students. Thank you for their lives and for what you are doing in their lives and in their hearts and for the change that you are going to lead through them in the years to come. 
And we sure do love you. Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen.